Unless you've made a serious mistake, you are currently listening to a free excerpt of the committee program with me, Arun Chaudhry. Our show contains lots more global politics, and you can become a member at fans.fm slash committee to receive our full YouTube show, audio, plus other exclusive content. That's fans.fm slash committee. And be sure to check out our YouTube show every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern on the Namiki Konst YouTube channel. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome back to the committee program. I am your host, Arun Chaudhary, and this is another edition of Smart Club, which many people don't know is actually named after an album by the V Necronomicons, who are, of course, uh, the kind of electric lounge band that came out of Funbox joining up with the Moon Glow Cocktails. None of that is what we're talking about today. Today we're actually talking about Greek politics, uh, appropriate because I'm in Greece, but also because committee is starting to think about working in uh, Greek politics and in the Greek elections. And so I'm going to be learning alongside of you because it's something that I feel that I don't know enough about and I know in general Americans don't. Uh, the complexity of modern Greek politics do not often burst into the American consciousness, but it is safe to say the Greek struggle in the face of austerity, the austerity project and the ascendancy of the Syriza party in 2015 did fire up the imagination of the global left, including the post-Occupy Wall Street United States. This ascendancy, as I'm sure we'll touch upon, was brief, uh, but other than hearing bursts of warnings about the rise of the far right, Greek politics is very often occluded from our normal view of vision. So, look, it's a hard language, uh, but it's an incredibly beautiful and rich cultural place, so let's all learn together. Our professors to teach us this today will be uh, Giorgos Venizelos, a PhD candidate in political science at the Faculty of Political and Social Sciences, Center of Social Movement Studies at the Scuola Normale in Florence, uh, Dr. Marina Brentoulis, uh, who is the Associate Professor of Politics and Media at the University of East Anglia, and Giannis Arestis Papadimitriou a member of the investigative journalism outfit The Manifold, host of The Archipelago on Movement Radio. Thank you all so much for being here. Uh, Thank you. You know, look, I was going to ask, and maybe, Marina, maybe you can uh, help us out, but ask at the very beginning by telling you what nice left-wing Americans know about modern Greece, which is some of us have read Z, uh, and some of us know there was a deal to make sure that Greece didn't go communist in 1947, and there was a big fight about it. Uh, but look, there's a lot to fill in. So what can you tell us about the tr traditional left and right parties in post-war Greece? It's a huge question. I appreciate you even trying. Yeah. Thank you very much for the question. Although I disagree with you with your view of Americans, I think you know quite a lot. I've seen American movies that they mention Greece. You have a lot of Greek restaurants. And there is a big Greek community ah, in the U.S. Uh, as well. So in terms of history, as you said, things start, let's say, a good starting point will be after uh, the Second World War, where there was a civil war, the kind was divided. On the one hand, you had communists, let's say, the left, that they had fought for the liberation of Greece. On the other hand, you had the right wing or Nazis, some of them collaborators of uh, Nazi Germany, and we had a big uh, civil war. This is a big moment for Greek history because it has um, shaped Greek politics since then. As we progress, you will see the same forces dividing Greece. We had dictatorships, again on the one hand, the colonels, uh, you have to know about the dictatorship between 67 and 74 uh, in Greece. 
most of the people know about that, but again, you had the same divisions. On the one hand, you had the progressive forces. On the other hand, you have the extreme right, the Nazis, the fascists, um, and so on. So one of the reasons, maybe, that uh, Americans, but also other Europeans, don't know much about Greece is because it hasn't developed as other mature liberal democracies. And I'm not saying that because I want to celebrate everything that liberal democracies have to offer, but it is a very different structure and how things were uh, happening in Greece. So some of the things that they still dominate, Greece, uh, they have to do with uh, shadow state, things that operate not in a very transparent way. There, are a lot of, there is still a lot of clientelism, whoever is in government, it imposes their own people. So these structures, I don't say that they don't exist in other countries, but they are very pronounced in, um, in Greece. And the institutions, of course, of the state, they haven't developed in a way that they make them autonomous, let's say, or as autonomous as possible from different governments. Big thing, things change in 1981 with PASOK, which comes to government. And now I know the politics of Yorgos, who is also on the left, and he wouldn't like that. But the reality is that in 81, when PASOK was elected, a lot of people were in the streets. They were celebrating for days, and the reason was that it was the first time that all these people that in the previous dictatorships had been excluded, and excluded, I mean exiles, I mean imprisonments, I mean having files with their political beliefs in police stations and not being able to find jobs. In 81, this changes with the introduction, with, with the winning of uh, PASOK, which is promising, as a promise it was that it will bring all these excluded, the left, the progressives, inside the political process. As he, years go by and PASOK became one of the dominant parties in Greece and the other was New Democracy, which is the right-wing uh, party, of course things change and the promise becomes less of the promise and there are a lot of scandals again which are related with uh, PASOK and progressively we move to the situation that you know with the economic crisis for us. It started in 2010 when George Papandreou announced that we will be uh, subjecting to a lending agreement. And this is the moment that we have things again change. People go in the streets, they occupy the big squares of Athens. The same process is happening in Spain as well. And the demands of the people are now taking, taken on by a new party that emerges from all this, which is Syriza, uh, the radical left party of Greece, which won the elections uh, in 2015. I think I should stop because I'm talking too much. No, that's perfect. <laughs> you did incredibly brought us up to the present. And, and if I can kick it over exactly there, Georgos, to you. Uh, what, is, what was the opening left left open by this structure that meant that a force like Syriza could come together so quickly, uh, you know, in a movement way, right? But don't let me put words in your mouth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we should, uh, I should start from something uh, Marina already mentioned from the, from the previous years. Uh, Marina said, uh, spoke about the, the incorporation of marginalized sectors uh, in, the, in, the new, in the new era. And um, here I want to say that uh, the economic crisis of uh, 2008 
in Greece that arrived a bit uh, a bit later uh, was rather a moment of rupture, a moment that um, created um, you know like a discontinuity between uh, now and the and the previous moments, uh, the previous era where uh, sectors of society were. Um, uh, well-being, relatively prosperous, and so on. So the economic crisis uh, was such a rupture that created uh, deep economic issues, uh, which later have reflected on the on the political arena as well. And due to the depth of the crisis and the actually severe, even anthropological uh, reactions uh, impact that it had on the Greek society. Um, the economic crisis has eventually delegitimized uh, the political system. Uh, until that moment, as Marina said, the political system was basically what we call a two-party system. Um, basically, we had uh, governments run by PASOK, the New Democracy, then PASOK again, the New Democracy, and so on. Mm -hmm. So for all these years, uh, um, of uh, no, actually, so that moment, uh, due to the crisis, uh, people started being uh, disillusioned, disappointed against uh, what they call the political establishment, and uh, they started like turning their backs towards these uh, parties that uh, used to be uh, dominant, uh, respectable. People voted for them, but that moment changed. Uh, everything. And uh, what we can say here is that there was a, a gap, a, a void in the political uh, system in Greece. There was a void of representation. Uh, many, many political parties uh, have tried to fill that void. The most successful uh, actor was uh, the radical left party of Syriza that uh, emerged from 3% to actually seizing the state in 2015. Yeah, exactly, and um, we can say that this has happened uh, because of some effective framing, uh, a very nice narrative that was actually convincing uh, for the Greek citizens, uh, a narrative that basically said, look guys, um, we as people are no longer uh, taken into account by the politicians, uh, the political system is corrupt. Here, here is an option. We are the option. We can take power and we can transform things into a better uh, future. And at this moment, all the differences that different groups of societies, different classes, different uh, identities, different demands, uh, started in a way speaking to each other and uh, creating in a way a sort of collective identity, the people, as we, as we call it. Yeah, that's why I think I just, in my mind, I describe it as a movement as, in the beginning as much as a party, because it does have this sort of coming together uh, in an idea as much as specifically, like it's a good messaging, but then it, I guess the devil's always in the details. I mean, Giannis, let me, let me ask you, uh, you know, when you have this sort of traditional center-left uh, dealing with this international, you know, monetary uh, demands and stuff, um, I mean, do, do you see this as 
fueling the populism, as we would call it, you know, that kind of brought people together? Or do you see this as something that just diminished the traditional power there and then what was already there amongst precarious workers, perhaps, etc., came together into the Syriza project? Which, I mean, what, what, what chicken and the egg here? Well, I think the, the clue is that something that Marina mentioned earlier, uh, which is about um, what's called clientelism in, uh, in Greece. This is a, a generally this is a conservative critique of what's going on, but there is some uh, some aspects of truth to it. I mean, uh, ever since uh, democracy was established, as pretty much a little bit normalized because it wasn't like that before 1974. Uh, this is 50 years. It's not a lot. I mean, it's in, in historical time. It's like uh, you know learning to walk on uh, uh, about how to build a democracy. So uh, in essence, we have to see that uh, what was happening with the center left. Uh, was transformative at the time. You can see that the center-left was something very different in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, uh, by the end of the 2000s, and I would say now, because I think I, 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 we have some, uh, there is some left-wing background to say that it's solid and it's very interesting, but the truth is that at this moment it is occupying the, the place of the center-left. Uh, and there are many, some, many, mm. some very interesting changes in this whole trajectory. I mean, for example, we had in the 80s, PASOK was uh, pretty much uh, a cross between, uh, you know, Olaf Palme and the Swedish uh, socialists, and then uh, Baathists or Arab socialists or something like that. And then in the 90s, you get uh, pretty much a third-way socialist party, something like that's close to Tony Blair or Gerhard Schroeder and uh, uh, something yeah. like this. So we have this transformation. We have this. I, I don't think it's that strange, for example, to have this, uh, these two parties changing um, uh, power uh, every now and then. This is what happens pretty much uh, most Western countries. So what did Syriza do? After austerity came in, and it's important that socialists, I mean, this paternalist uh, uh, party of the, of the center, uh, were the ones that brought austerity in, all these agendas had to go to someone else. And I think that the, the small story is that Syriza was smart enough to uh, strike deals with them, in a way, to, to bring them in, uh, to you know, create a coalition of uh, all these agendas, these interests that have been emptied out by uh, austerity measures, and then try to, to build a strategy around them. Uh, now, there were some, some leftists inside the party, there were uh, some factions inside the party, that actually thought that, okay, since this has happened, since uh, the structure of Greek society and economy is changing radically, we can actually take this discomfort and these agendas and take them to an agenda of our own. But what is happening now, ever since uh, Syriza caved in in 2015, is that it's first that they went back doing politics as usual. I mean, you know, uh, negotiating all these balances between different business interests or uh, privileged group interests, uh, and also trying yeah. to, to occupy the center. I mean, if you listen to Alexis Tsipras, the former prime minister and the president of Syriza nowadays, he talks about mm -hmm. the center-left. He calls Syriza the center-left. I mean, leftist Migris, the, the leftist agenda, the, the populist agenda, uh, has pretty much been uh, emptied. What is interesting now, though, is that he's still being accused of it. He's still being accused of populism. Although Syriza does not mm -hmm. have any populist mm -hmm. traits anymore, they don't have anything that resembles uh, a left-wing populism. And I would even say that Syriza's uh, uh, you know, decision to pivot to the center was pretty much damaged all left-wing populism in Europe uh, after 2015. Um, yeah, he, he now, uh, he's now being accused of it uh, without having any, any similar characteristics. And what is this doing? It is pushing everything to the right. It is pushing the Overton window, as we yes. call it, to the right. 
Uh, yeah. So yeah, I would say this is what the uh, what the story with Suze is. Uh, and uh, I do want to get into two things you said there. You said a lot in little, where you're like, and then of course when Teresa came, uh, I think we should bring our audience up to exactly what you mean by that, uh, if you don't mind sort of spelling that out uh, a little further. And then afterwards, Marina, I'd love for you to talk about how maybe some of this opportunity of populism then did falter into the harder or far right, as we call it. But, uh, uh, but let's hear exactly what happened uh, with Syriza and what you call caving in. Okay, Syriza actually rose as a protest party uh, against austerity. There was mass popular mobilization underneath it uh, in the streets. So they managed to take this, what was called the anti-memorandum agenda. This is the anti-austerity agenda, essentially. They were elected into office in 2015. Uh, they couldn't strike a deal for a different set of politics with uh, Greece's creditors, the EU, the IMF, and uh, the ECB. And uh, in 2015, this led to a referendum where people in Greece voted by 61% against uh, continuing austerity. And then Syriza uh, went on and brought a new austerity program <laughs> and pivoted to the center. So sort of exactly the same thing that happened to, to the, the last set of folks. But yeah, so Marina, where did this energy go then? And, and how, how did this help fuel this kind of... Because we did hear a bit about, you know, that obviously Golden Dawn has a cool name in English, so people were very attuned. But uh, tell us more about the far right. Yeah, I mean, um, I have to say something in what Yanis, uh, to add what, to what Yanis was saying. Sure, so 15, 2015 to 2019, we have a series of government it is implementing the memorandum agreements. I think they were trying also to do some things to make the situation less worse, but that was very small and possibly other people have um, different opinions. It's also really now, hard, <laughs> I mean, to give it, credit. It yeah. is quite hard, and there are other reasons, I think, that Syriza had to do some things which has to do with the big groups in Syriza and who was giving the direction and so on. I'm saying all that because I was in Syriza uh, back then and I have a type of trajectory that Yanis was describing. I was very active in there and then now, although I'm just a friend, I'm, I'm not part of it. I don't think there is space for me to do there, to fight in there, to do something. Mm. So what happened is that, and again, Aaron, this is for you. The Americans know quite a lot about what I'm going to say now because you had a similar experience with Trump. And Trump, it's something, this alt-right, is a very particular case which is mainstreaming the extreme right. And this is something that happened in Greece with the new right-wing government that it was elected in 2019, which looks as a progressive liberal, but actually it has incorporated a lot of the far-right elements, some of which they go back to Golden Dawn. Golden Dawn was uh, an organization that it had, for, if one thinks that it was a fascist organization, it was represented in government, in government, no, in uh, parliament, I mean. And yeah, yeah. Uh, it, um, it was a criminal organization. A few years ago, there was uh, the verdict of the court. Thousands of us were outside uh, the court waiting for them to be declared a criminal organization. But that doesn't mean that they have disappeared. They have been incorporated with this right-wing uh, party 
which presents occasionally itself as liberal, but it's very liberal and it is creating a very police state um, in Greece. Mm -hmm. Why is that? I think part of that has to do with what Yanis was saying and the failure of Syriza to go on inspiring things. It is also for me desire to go back to what for Greeks it will be the normal thing, the normal life and aspiring to big plans of uh, investment and so on, which are not happening. And most of us, what we are waiting is the next crisis that I think it's going to be imminent and I want to see what will happen there because we don't have right now the forces on the left that I think they could deal with that. I don't know what Yanis and Yorgos think. Yeah, well, you know, Yorgos, I, I would I would ask you just, you know, what does the landscape of the, say, progressive side of things, left, center, left, this is all getting a little tricky, uh, but what does that kind of spectrum look like now? Uh, and I'm going to ask you, Giannis, actually, because uh, Yorgos is having connection problems. Okay, uh, could you repeat the question, actually, because... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So what does the landscape of the progressive left look like now with a much shrunken uh, Syriza? Did everyone go over to the New Democrats, who maybe you can also tell us a little more about? Uh, or are they unaffiliated or affiliated with some kind of a civic left, like in Italy, you know, the kind of disaffected just end up dispersing themselves in this civic uh, world? Well, there's, uh, first of all, there's a mainstay of the traditional left that the, that's a communist party of Greece, which is like 5 to 6% always in the election. It's always in parliament. Uh, well, so there's something there, there's a, a beacon of the left there, with all its problems. There's a smaller party that has a just under parliament, under former minister of uh, finance, Yanis Varoufakis, which is, uh, okay, it has some left-wing mm -hmm. elements. Who Americans will be familiar with, yeah, I, I think, think he's actually, quite, he's quite uh, well known. as a figure. It has some left-wing elements, although yeah. they don't really uh, match with the traditional left. It's innovative in its own ways, in both good and bad, but that's a whole different uh, conversation. There's a strong extra-parliamentary left, which has, um, it is, you can find very active in, uh, in unions, in universities, in, uh, in the arts, in, maybe in journalism even. Uh, but it doesn't really have any electoral uh, output. It's like uh, stuck in less than 1% one, uh, 1 in the election. So, yeah, there's this situation. But what is happening now is that all these have been badly heard because... The truth is, and I will say this is an, a very unpopular opinion, uh, Syriza had this particular history. Uh, it, was, it had a, a particular relation to the center-left that the rest of the left in Greece did not have. Okay. So, but despite that, I think that the problems that led to Syriza going down the way it did, I think are the ones that are plaguing the left in, the, in its entirety. So a lot of a, a lot, the crisis, apart from going into Syriza, has gone to the rest of the left, which is, I, I have to say, it is very strong. I, don't get me wrong to this, and there's a, there's a lot of bright moments to it, in, uh, even in these hard times now. But uh, they're still trying to regroup because I think that Syriza was revealing as to some problems that no one had ever even thought of. It has to do with problems, well, I think, within the party as well, Yanis. How, how much you have a chance to shape the policies, to participate in there, and I think for me this was also a big part. That's why I said I don't know what I would be able to do within the party. I don't think there is space to, to okay. do things. 
I mean, I, do you see, is there a good parallel here with the Cinque Stella, where it's sort of when you do try to create this big tent uh, governing majority with populists and a bit of this and a bit of that, you end up uh, having kind of having to have an ideological flexibility that is never a clear message to your I membership? I don't think the ideological flexibility is a problem with the, <laughs> with the Cinque Stella, for example. It's a, that the way, no one has ever really thought of the, of the way politics are produced. That's, that's a problem that is, I think is playing the left in Greece, uh, in Italy, or populism in Italy, because the left is a strange word for Italy nowadays, um, or even the US, yeah. for example. But uh, the, the, the whole importance of it is how you do politics. I mean, you, they found, Syriza found itself at a, at a place where it was actually, you know, there was no one that could, there were no, uh, you know, set up apparatuses that could actually represent a different agenda. It was like the, the politics were automated of what was going on. It was like this is what is going to happen with, public, with uh, public finance, this is what's going to happen with uh, the market, this is what's going to happen with Europe, this is what's going to happen with everything. It's still mm -hmm. on autopilot. <laughs> And that's the problem with it, that no one has really thought of how you do politics inside such a structure that is diverse and, uh, you know, multifaceted. Well, you know, I, I'm not a historian or a reporter. I actually am someone who works in the mechanic of politics. And so when I land in somewhere and I start to talk about this stuff, I want to know who the swing voters are, right? Who are the people who are changing from election to election? Uh, Marina, can you describe who you think they are? Are they precarious workers, generally lower middle class? Is it sort of the same classic story, or is there something special? I think um, in Greece, it, it depends which period we are talking about. 2015, it was a different story. People wanted to uh, end austerity, and people that you wouldn't believe that they would vote for Syriza, they did vote at that point for Syriza. Uh, With no, an aspirational sense of something, yeah. Yes, of changing the situation, not because necessarily they started belonging to the left or anything like that. And in this sense, uh, I think Syriza knows that a lot of its votes are going to be from people that possibly before they were Pashok, they were this center. This is why, as Jens was saying, they have uh, moved toward that direction, because what they have in their mind is the electoral outcome. The problem there is that the people who were doing the work on the ground, and you know a lot about that stuff, again, not only in Greece, but in the, the UK as well, we are learning from the Obama campaign about community organizing. Uh, all of this community organizing and so on, which is associated with elections, it has stopped. It doesn't work in the same way in Greece. And these were people on the left that they were doing that. That was the main power, the activists on the left. So this, I think, it's, it's a big, uh, it's a big uh, problem uh, for Syriza. I think it's going to have a good, um, it will continue having a good electoral outcome in the sense that it, the progressive people will vote for Syriza. But as it stands now, it, of course it depends what will happen in the future and if we will find ourselves in a new crisis, I don't think it's going to win again the next election, I'm afraid to say, because... I say it, and I'm thinking how many people will die, will have, will become unemployed with the government that we have right now in Greece. Yeah? So I'm not saying that uh, without a lot of pain. Uh, yeah, it's just putting together an entire electoral majority is hard. Giannis, please, go ahead. 
Yeah, I, I was thinking that the, the question of the swing voters is very interesting because what Syriza has decided, and they're saying this, is that there is a middle class which you know it has a lot of uh, different meanings depending on which country you're uh, you're in. Uh, but in Greece, uh, it seems to imply that the, the people who are somewhat well off, they're not the rich and powerful, but they're somewhat well off. Well, that's a very s- small percentage. And Syriza is believing that's where it has uh, its politics now are based on getting back this supposedly centrist middle class. Okay, first of all, this in Greece is very co- the, this middle class in Greece is very small. It's very conservative. It's always been very conservative, and the rest of it is non-existent. It's not. I mean, there is. A, if you see at the income rates in Greece, the, this middle class that they describe is not there. And second of all, this is the the same, the exact same mistakes that center-left parties in Europe and the, the U.S. have done know, throughout right? the, the 2000. The exact same mistake, and they're choosing to, do, to go with it in 2020 and 2021. I mean. Look, you're putting this in terms I will say our audience definitely understands, which is sort of, you know, the, the mythical scooping of, of the center voters. Uh, when, uh, you know, I think probably part of the problem is the trap of falling into left-right, period, right? People are a scattershot of different issues that they care about, and plotting them on the seeding chart of the French Revolution is maybe not the most sensible thing that all of us continue to do every day. Um, Georgios, can I ask you uh, a bit about the current government? You know, uh, like, you know, who are its coalition? How is it how is it holding together a governing majority in this sticky situation? Well, technically, this government is governing alone, but we can say that it has some other uh, extra parliamentary coalitions. Uh, The picture is quite complicated because uh, on the one hand, you see like some sort of neoliberal um, uh, turn or like a neoliberal identity in this government but on the other hand you see some sort of uh, authoritarian tendencies lockdowns were pretty strong pretty um, pretty strict and it seems like this has sort of been a successful coalition in many spots uh, in, in Europe even through uh, the pandemic which always seems a bit surprising um, we don't know, and, and rates in Greece are not good right now since the opening uh, of tourism a bit, right? So we don't know exactly what's going to happen. But in terms of there being new elections, being an opening, I know it's not scheduled for a couple of years. What are the things that we should be looking for, especially on the progressive left? And I, I, anyone can answer this who, who has an answer. But what, what can an international audience be looking for as indicators of maybe a growing strength uh, coming from the progressive side as an answer uh, to this government, or do, well, can I we think, not expect that? I think that Yanis and Marina gave us already an indication of, of where this is going. Um, uh, Syriza, uh, as Yanis said, has occupied pretty much uh, the whole parliamentary space of the, of the left, and uh, it doesn't leave much alternative within the parliament. Um, Obviously, as Yanis said, there are other, other uh, political activities that are happening uh, outside the parliament, but within, within like conventional politics, I am not sure whether uh, there is a viable alternative at the moment. There is obviously Varoufakis' uh, DM25 movement that is represented in the parliament, but I am not sure um, 
where w w what it's gonna do in the next ele elections. I think it's gonna it's gonna keep its uh, its percentages quite where they are. I think the big thing uh, for the the upcoming elections, whenever they are, is that there is an absence of um, political oppositions, at least within the parliament. And I don't personally think uh, that things change. Obviously, uh, you know, there is no end of history, as Fukuyama said, and uh, political uh, mobilization is always contingent and uh, reactivating. So who knows? Maybe another crisis would be another uh, window of opportunity for um, new political actors on the progressive front. Marina, let me ask you, is it going to take another crisis to kind of uh, bang the system back out to the left a bit? As you've said, it's kind of shifted. The, uh, Giannis was saying the Overton window has shifted. What's it going to yeah. take to shift back? I think there is going to be a crisis. I told you before, I, I'm, I'm so sorry about yeah. that, but I don't see how Greece is going to avoid another crisis, especially because of the spending of the current uh, right-wing government. I mean, again, you have this clientelism, you have the big scandals emerging and re-emerging where a lot of state money have been appropriated for their voters, for those they help the right-wing government to come to power. On top of that, you have the pandemic. On top of that, you have a huge debt that it goes on really back to the other crisis. So I'm not sure that we will manage to avoid another crisis. But apart from thinking, I agree with Jorgos what he said about opposition, so we are still waiting for a much stronger opposition. But I always have my faith in social movements, what is happening in the ground as well. And as I said, this government, this right-wing government, has incorporated a, a, a lot of alt-right elements. So it is very misogynistic, it is very uh, much into uh, conservative religious uh, beliefs and so on. And yeah. what I see in Greece, which gives me some hope, is a lot of women being in the streets, talking against domestic violence, talking against rapes. So you see something like a movement which goes, although it doesn't talk about elections, it goes against this agenda, this authoritarian right-wing, very right-wing for me, agenda of the current government. So it will depend also on what is happening on the ground and how much opposition we have on the ground from groups that they cannot take this authoritarianism uh, that they are uh, projecting. And, and, you know, something that comes up on the show a lot is the idea that storytelling when there's not an election time is so much more effective than when there is. And when you're telling stories about issues that matter to you and not asking for a vote, that, and this is what the right wing is so good at, right? Always just telling you a story for no other reason than they would like you to listen. Uh, I think you might be our most cynical panel member, Giannis, so I'm going to leave the, the last word to you, but I'm going to insist... I'm going to insist that you give a hopeful vision of what people can be looking for uh, as they're watching Greek politics, who they should be rooting for. Uh, is it the rise of issue-driven civic left? Uh, as Marina is saying, is it, you know, uh, uh, I'm going to try to put you in a box of having to give you an optimistic vision to end on. Come on, Yanis, try. Give me an optimist. Well, yeah, I was, I was actually, <laughs> you got this right. I was going to be pessimistic. But I actually believe there is a glimmer of hope. So let's start with the pessimism and set some light on it. Yeah, and a so transition, yeah. There is a pessimistic scenario that, you know, the right is what we call the, I mean, you also might know this, the right-wing building block. 
which is how the right wing is elected in Greece. You have a, a, a moderate right wing at the top, and then it has taken in all the far right, so that's how they get elected. And I'm really worried that the, the status of the left is hurt so bad this time, that when it breaks, we're going to, to, we might end up with a situation like Hungary, where you have the far right government and the far far right in opposition. So this is the worst case scenario. But, for the small glimmer of hope which is much needed here, I wholeheartedly believe in, in social mobilizations. I mean, I see some, uh, some dynamics, I've even seen it in this absolute darkness, I've seen some moments that were uh, pretty much, uh, you know, very hopeful and allow us to be optimistic. I actually believe in the cultural prevalence of the left also. It's in the way that it, it can actually uh, intervene in everyday life and produce a way of looking at the world, uh, very strong and very um, effective in a way that can appeal uh, to, to people. So, uh, for the, so we have, for example, the misogynistic part that I mentioned, uh, the big wave of very, uh, a lot of violent crime re recently because uh, against women, but there's a whole thing that a very strong answer to this. There have been some demonstrations that have been very strong, there's a public discourse that's very strong, there's something, mm -hmm. something that kicks back, kicks back against it. And that's only one of the things that are happening that can give us a glimmer of hope. So, yeah, I mean, even me being the most pessimistic from all, probably, I can still see something that could go well in the future. Excellent. Giannis, thank you so much. Marina, thank you so much. Georges, thank you so much. And uh, maybe we can check in with you in a few months and see how things have progressed. Uh, hopefully uh, not in a, a dire crisis, but maybe in a different way. Bye. Thank you. La imagen por la cual vale la pena arriesgar la vida, sacrificarse hasta la muerte en los campos de batalla de todos los continentes del mundo. Comité, comitato, comitiet, comitato, carul, comité, we young we, submitie, we committee.